0: Wants to do the intro, mm-hmm. I will and then do it flawlessly. Are you ready? Right? Yeah. I mean, books. I did it last time and
1: it didn't record. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go. All right. Um, Flawlessly. <laughs> Welcome, brunchers, to Murder Brunch. Is that what we're calling people? Are they our brunchers? On Patreon. If you join on Patreon, you'll be called a bruncher. That's our tier, it's the bruncher tier. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you saw that. I probably did not I forgot Alright, welcome to Murder Brunch We are the Murder Brunch Bunch I'm Rachel I'm Joe I'm Clinton And here's where we talk about a God damn it I'm not that drunk, calm down Alright Okay, Welcome to Murder Brunch. We are the Murder Brunch Bunch. My name is Rachel. I'm Joe. I'm Clinton. And this is the podcast where we give you two tales of mayhem and murder and discuss where a killer lies on Dr. Michael H. Stone's scale of evil. Where'd you get the H from? I saw that today because I was looking up something about him. What were you looking up? Um, It has to do with my story. Oh, so, so I'm going to save it for later. But let me actually make sure that is correct. We may have to record that it is. again. It's right there. It's Michael oh, H. Great. Stone. Perfect. Yeah, Michael H. Stone. The H stands for hottie. Yes.
2: <laughs> we are his number one fans.
1: We are. Absolutely. So here we are, once again, in your face with some murder and some brunch. Do I get a drink?
2: No. Well, three. Oh, I guess this uh, is yours. I can. Or do you want... This one has slightly less wine. Woo. Do you want more wine or less wine?
0: Uh, What kind of wine is it?
2: Red.
1: <laughs> it is red. It is a red wine. That's the name on the bottle. Yeah, yes. I'll, I'll just have that one. Okay. Bottle. <laughs> it came in a box. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Ooh. Yeah, no, it is tart. It's good, though. I'm going to try it. I'm smelling it real quick. Okay. Just dunk. Remember, that's the whole point of this.
0: Oh, I like it. It's tasty. I like yeah. it. Okay. What what is the recipe
1: for the the? Drink? Okay, so this is called a devil's margarita. Ooh, a devil's margarita. A devil's margarita, and it specifically says don't do a salt rim, don't do any of that. That
0: <laughs> you're just saying don't do a salt.
1: <laughs> don't do a salt when you're on this margarita. No, it's basically a mixture of tequila, lime, simple syrup, and red wine, and the red wine's floated on top. As you can see, it's very pretty. Yeah. Well, I'm
2: glad I used the smoky glasses because it's the devil's margarita. Makes sense. And there's three of them, so it kind of makes it a devil's threesome. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, we are well, not. Yeah, no, this not is glasses not that configuration.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, really, this threesome would be like any guy's uh, fantasy, right? Two sisters mm-hmm. and a gay dude. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so I need you to explain to me the, the deal about these cookies.
1: I mean, they're huge. They are gigantic. Should we say where they came from? Do I get all the pastry? No, I want I want some of that chocolate one. Anyway, these are giant at? cookies we got from a local cookie shop called Crumble. They are gigantic and they're very good. They're oddly like like this one right here. The brown one is a cinnamon or a French toast flavored one, and the icing on that one is oddly light, like mm. like it's very no, super fluffy. Whipped. Yes, yeah. So, what are the different flavors we have? The one you and I are eating right now is caramel cheesecake. That sounds right. That makes sense. Tastes like that. The chocolate one over there is a Reese's peanut butter cup one. Okay, that one looks like a brownie. Yeah, and that one is a strawberry.
2: I'm gonna have some strawberry.
1: I want some of that one too. I haven't had that one yet. For the rest of our brunch, we have bacon, egg,
0: and cheese on a croissant mm-hmm. and hash browns. Yes, we do.
1: And then, so of we course, our it, Devil's margarita. Oh, and then
0: we have some Danishes that, for some reason, I don't know how, I
1: didn't do this. Arrived. They're all on my plate. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely getting a piece of that. I guess we're, we're not eating yet, right? Because you didn't want this on the recording, like last time.
0: What?
1: Us eating, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: I was eating. You know? This is what
2: happens when you have the devil's margarita. You yeah. experiment, right?
0: See, I think it actually is better when we describe our brunch when we're eating it. I
1: agree.
2: I guess it depends. Do people tune in for the murder or do oh, they tune gosh. in for the brunch?
1: Well, if they're eating their brunch with us, oh, I hope they're eating their brunch with us. I would love it. Hey, you guys having brunch with us? Yay! What are you having? <laughs> Let us know. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready?
2: Oh, will you do me one favor? Yeah. Hand me that book. We're gonna need it.
1: We are. This is a very strange case, especially as far as the scale goes. But without giving out more details, get it out of your system now, Joe. It's kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to do it away from the
0: microphone. Last episode
2: you had to sneeze. This episode you'll have to burp the whole time.
0: And next week
1: it's all farts. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Murder Brunch. Podcast Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is the story of Severio Bellante. Ooh. On July 7th, 1979, he was born in Palermo on the Italian island of Sicily. His father was a postal worker and he had a stay-at-home mom.
2: What was the year again? It's sorry,
1: 1979. Picture it. You be very familiar. With
2: 1979, it. <laughs> Sicily. <Yes>. Got it.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Sophia. All right, got it. It's Golden Girls. With the Golden Girls reference, I'm gay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize for you who do not you are, have Clinton. To be sorry. We're proud of you. Okay. I love um, my gay Clinton. <laughs> I love my gay, gay Clinton. <laughs>
0: I'm sweating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Father was a postal worker. His mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was, you know, in the 70s. Um, But they argued a lot. And he, Severio, is pretty sure his mom suffered from depression. He had a brother and sister, but they were of modest means. They didn't have a ton of money. So they, they never considered them to have money for his college education. So at the age of 13, he went to a technical college for accounting. So he was a pretty smart guy, studious student, no real history of issues, like the typical issues we usually see on our killers, but his parents may have had had some mental illness there.
0: You don't really associate accounting with a technical degree.
1: I For a minute, I thought you were going to say accounting with mental illness. Oh,
0: girl, <laughs> girl, I know better than that.
1: Yeah.
2: I always associate accountants with sociopaths. Yeah, of
1: course, of course. With a technical degree. I mean, it is. I mean, it's math. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah, but you would think like, oh, I should go to tech school for a degree in accounting is weird.
0: Because you, because you mostly associate that with like engineering. Right. I think
1: think technical colleges offer more than we're typically led to believe. I think they have a ton of degrees that we never really think about. Because I swear I heard one recently where they went to technical college for cooking to be a chef. And that was also, you know, a surprise. So anyway, so he went for accounting. But as he got older, he worked in pizzerias and bars to pay his own way through college. And he did get a politics and international relations degree at the University of Palermo.
2: Ah, uh, 1970s, where you could pay for
1: college by... Well, at this point, it was the 90s. But yes. And Italy, which I'm sure is a little different. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so he didn't get the accounting degree. He, he may have, he may have like graduated from the technical college with something like a, it was basically like a, maybe it's an AA. Yeah. I think it was like a, like a fancy high school. Oh, okay. I don't know why I'm stuck on it. I don't either. Let it go. Okay. Okay. It's done. I'm gone. All right. Things are going well. He was in an eight year relationship with the lady, um, but it ended, (laughs) (laughs) but it ended in 2004 when he had it at 25, he's 25 years old. He had a breakdown where he thought he was Jesus he would when he was stressed he would spend all day praying without a break like he would just be on his knees praying the whole time so he goes to see a doctor obviously and they diagnose him with schizophrenia and he becomes medicated
0: that makes sense i mean schizophrenia does um, present itself sometimes mid mid, or uh, early mid-20s for men
1: yeah puberty has a lot to do with it stuff like that yeah but because of the medication and because of the mental illness, he takes it takes him ten years to finish that one degree. The international But Road he to, finished he does finish it.
0: It still counts.
2: He goes So he finished in twenty fourteen or
1: uh no, a little bit earlier than that. Okay. He's in the middle of his degree at two thousand four. Yeah. Okay. He went to Tuscany to do his masters and then he completed that in one year because he was he was regulated he was feeling good about himself he was in a really good place he was doing he was doing very well after he got his master's in 2011 he moved to ireland to work as a pharmaceutical customer service rep and he had been to ireland before he liked it and so he wanted to live there so now he's in dublin he's making good money he's he's started a savings by all accounts and purposes severio seems to be very well he's adulting he's adulting he's he's doing well for himself He drank a little he had some friends he smoked pot but that was the extent of it he wasn't into hard drugs he wasn't into dangerous behaviors he was just this average italian dude living in dublin which i don't know if there's a lot of italian dudes living in dublin but maybe so anyway i'd like to meet one (laughs) he moves in with a gentleman named tom o'gorman in 2013
0: (laughs) tommy o'gorman
1: yes tommy o'gorman Tom is one of three siblings as well. His parents are deceased. He's kind of on his own. He owns the house that they're roomating in. Tom is also a devout Catholic. He's a minister of the Eucharist. And they met through a ministry movement called Focolare, which is a Roman Catholic movement promoting brotherhood and unity. It means fireside or like family hearth. But it's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's a ministry. It's, it, you know, it's churchy stuff churchy stuff they met through it they were friends and then i guess they decided to move in together when severio was looking for a place to live severio himself has said quote he loved him like a brother but they did have differing political views but for the most part they they were friends with the help of a psychiatrist severio starts coming off of his meds Uh oh they start to they decline it at first slowly 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 and then in 2014 they are stopped completely and he immediately feels unwell and i'm talking like Like, almost like next day feels unwell. Uh Uh-oh. He's watching a football game, and he sees it as a battle of good and evil. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, things are going to get bad. So now we're going to January 11th, 2014. All right? Now, remember I told you he came off his meds in 2014. So I'm, like, literally days after he comes off his meds. He's playing chess with Tom O'Gorman. They're hanging out. And O'Gorman makes a bad move. So Severio Belante takes advantage with the king. As you do. As you do. O'Gorman apparently, according to Belante, freaks out and calls the move, quote, stupid and perverse. Severio is upset and he calls his sister. And when he calls her, he starts talking about the mafia for some reason. And his sister starts to become concerned. So what she does on her end, I don't know. But you get the feeling that maybe she starts calling around to go check on him or something like that. Yeah. But either way, O'Gorman eventually apologizes to Belante, but he doesn't think he's being sincere. Belante... has said, I, I didn't grab this exact quote, but it was something like, he knows I want to kill him and he's trying to like shake me off kind of thing. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. No, Belante's losing it.
0: Well, you think like O'Gorman did like that manspanning thing where he's like, well, I'm sorry that it made you upset.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe he did. And in which case, you know, can <laughs> you Then balls. yes.
0: No. I will kill you. <laughs> That's terrible.
1: <laughs> no, O'Gorman did not deserve this. Belante saw two briquettes burning in the fire and saw them as symbols for him and Tom. What is that? Uh, like coals. Oh, okay. Yeah. He poured water on one of them to quench the argument. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Uh, but Tom refused to pour in water on his half. of the Yeah, because like, why are we pouring water at our fire? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tom is like, what the fuck's <clears throat> going on? So Volante believed that O'Gorman was the devil. Of course. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the natural transition. Yeah. And since he believed he was the devil and Volante was Jesus, he said he had no choice but to kill him. Quote from Belante, he wanted to kill me, not physically, but he wanted to take my freedom. It was necessary to kill him. People want to steal your freedom and make you a slave. I got a knife in the kitchen. I tried to hurt his head. He tried to resist. I got a dumbbell weight and hit him on the head and tried to finish him off. So I decided to remove the heart. So basically, Saverio knocked him out and then stabbed him several times. He, his official cause of death was stabbing. And then he cut open his chest. With the intent of taking out his heart. With, like, a steak knife? With a kitchen knife, yeah. Oh, my God. I hear
2: bone is very hard to cut through. Yeah.
1: So, he said the evil was controlled when O'Gorman was knocked out. And, oh, I'm sorry. He said the evil was controlled with the head and the heart. That's what does it. So, he's knocked out, so he took care of the head, so now it's starting to take out the heart. And he cut O'Gorman's chest open and, with his hands, removed his right lung... <sighs> Which he believed was the heart. He's not a doctor. So he he thought, this is the heart, I'm going to pull this out. So he got through the rib cage. Yeah, he did.
2: Just on the wrong side if it was his right lung. Right.
1: So he... You're right. Um, that seems like a, 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 just a bad <laughs> sense of anatomy. Well, I mean, I, I assume that even if he was on the left side, he would have pulled out the left lung and made the same mistake.
0: Yeah, but still, it's like you're digging in the wrong, wrong spot.
1: Well... I guess he went even further with being in the wrong spot because then he brought it into the kitchen and tried to eat it. <gasps> yeah. He tried to eat it. And Oh, he that's did. a murder brunch.
0: <laughs> 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 he did
1: eat something. Oh, God. oh no. Yeah.
0: Did he cook it?
1: Yes. Police arrived. They found a horrific scene with a slumped over on the floor in a frying pan out on the stove.
0: Oh, can you imagine the smell?
1: They found some <laughs> of the lung on a plate and another part in a plastic bag that Severia was going to eat later. Oh.
0: Yeah. Oh, so he was going to put it in the refrigerator. So
1: yeah, it was a little like uh, takeaway.
0: Oh, it's a doggy (laughs) bag. Yeah,
1: I hope he put a date on it before he put it in the (laughs) (laughs) fridge. So Vario did call the cops afterward and told him exactly what he did. So here's here's where we come to the weird part. I mean, this is all very weird, very very strange. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Okay. Okay. No, okay. Yes. That's, yes. I
2: think that's okay. fair. Mm.
1: An Irish doctor, his Irish doctor was the one weaning him off his drugs, but his Italian doctor did say he should have been on his drugs forever. So we need to talk to this Irish. Yeah, yeah, the Irish one, yeah. The Irish doctor. He had a very intense obsession with good and evil, which presented itself by him pretending he, not pretending, but believing he was Jesus. And even after he killed Tom, he... Knew what he did was wrong legally, but he felt morally he had to do it. So that's where his standpoint was. He was sentenced to the Central Mental Hospital for treatment in Ireland. And as of 2019, he is still there. Did they put him back on his meds? Yes, absolutely. He's on his meds. But here's the thing is, I don't know what the law is like in Ireland. There may come a point where he is released. And they're just monitoring him to keep sure he's on his meds. But I mean...
0: But in certain places, the law he could be tried again
1: if he is now sane true from all the articles i've read it doesn't seem like that's going to happen Mm -hmm. at least right now this is a fairly current crime what this happened in 2014 right so who knows but he's you know still still out there still i don't know doing his thing yikes i don't know how you
0: could ever release him if he's the one who now is dictating whether or not he takes his meds or not right
1: that seems like the case right that if he is in charge of his own medication should he go off and it only takes days for him to get violent tendencies i would imagine he's going to have to be under watch for the rest of his life
2: is there any record like i like to think that if i were crazy off my meds and then was sane on my meds mm-hmm. I would feel remorse over what I had done off my meds.
1: That's a good question. From Nothing I've read really talks about that except for the fact that he realizes what he did was he does Legally realize he wrong. did what was wrong. Right. But it was like, it was more he probably does feel, I mean he says wonderful things about Tom. He, all the interviews with him that I loved him like a brother and all this stuff like I think there probably is remorse there. Yeah. But because but, he was insane in the moment. But do you think he always
0: has that little voice? That's telling him... That's Say, but he was the devil. He was
1: the devil. And you, what you did was right, so, yeah. Severio. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. I
0: mean, no one could ever know that, right?
1: No. And Tom, for all accounts and purposes, was wonderful. He, you know, was a sports guy. He was just... He had a lot of good friends. He, his siblings mourned him very much, especially after losing their parents as well. And he obviously did not deserve this fate. Yeah. So. And if he was part of
0: a ministry, he obviously... Worked in the community. Yeah, he,
1: he cared about humanitarian causes and things like that. So, yeah, it's not good. Also, he was he was planning like a big move in his own life. He was going on to get his PhD and possibly moving to America. Like He had big plans oh. for everything he was going to do. So it's really sad. But the part that I had the trouble with is it was very hard for me to put Severio on the scale. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I was looking up Dr. Stone this morning was I was trying to figure out what did he say specifically about people who were considered insane. Mm-hmm. But his scale does mention schizophrenia Mm -hmm. so i'm guessing severio can be put on it but i need your help to figure out where
0: well i assume that so if you take away the oh they were insane or something like that if you take away the mental illness and you go by the reason why they did things in the moment that they did those things yeah and that would probably be the impetus of where they would be so i
1: picked two spots we're moving on to the scale now
0: Let's discuss the scale real quick. Okay, please. Let's just remind our our listeners of the scale. We of course are basing our scale on scale of evil created by Doctor H Stone. Michael H Stone. Oh, so well, I said Doctor H Stone, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Created by Doctor Michael H
1: Stone. Both were right. (laughs) Nobody ever says Doctor H Stone. Now, ladies.
2: (laughs) You're both pretty. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> the
0: scale goes f- from level one all the way to level two. Level one being all the way just to level a- twenty-two. Oh my gosh!
1: Start over. I've had too much. To <laughs> <work>. <laughs> Our scale goes from one to two. It's He's either bad or good.
0: It's officially like like my vision's kind of uh-huh. off a little bit. Okay, so the um the scale goes from level one to okay. level twenty-two. Level one being
2: justifiable homicide,
0: and level twenty-two. There being it is. <laughs>
1: Ah, What is 22, Clinton?
2: Psychopathic torture murders with torture as their primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual.
1: Yes. So it seems like Dr. Stone's scale advances upon the severity of the crime. Like how bad it gets, how torturous it gets, how sadistic it gets.
0: Right. And then motivation.
1: Sure. Okay. So these are the two spots that I thought Severia would fit into. Either. 13 inadequate rageful psychopaths some committing multiple m- murders he did not do multiple ones but he was a psychopath he was he was diagnosed with psychopathy or 20 torture murderers with distinct psychosis parentheses schizophrenia
2: i can see why you jumped there because of the schizophrenia I don't see torture in this.
1: I don't see torture in it either, but that's the only one that really mentions a distinct psychosis. So like if you go up to the early levels, those specifically say they don't have any marks of psychopathy. So uh, he's got to fall in one of the later ones, but all the other ones seem a little too tortury for Severio. Although t- I mean he cuts a guy's heart out, you know what I mean? That is like true. that is if 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 Tom was alive when that happened, and he might have been. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That what I think would be considered torture, right? It just that wasn't his goal. It was though. He he had to do the heart and no, the No, no, head. no he didn't. He wasn't
2: doing it. It wasn't oh, sadistic. I see. I see. He was. He, yeah, he, he was not to there him. to inflict yes, pain. Yeah. Yes,
1: that's true. So he
0: knocked him out first with the dumbbell. Dumbbell stabbed him. Yeah, and then
1: cut him open. Yes, but depending on how those uh, those things range, like that's what I'm saying. Is like he could have still been alive when he was doing. Oh the yeah, belly. absolutely. Yeah. All right. 20 and 13. What are we thinking? Or if you have a a, somewhere else on the scale, you want to think of putting them.
2: I feel almost he needs to be lower.
0: Where Um, does the, where does it start uh, where it's like psychopaths
1: versus non-psychopathic behavior or traits, I should say. Here's the problem. Severio's stuff is very bad, but he only kills one person. And that makes a big difference on the scale. Once you start to kill more people and you have sprees and things like that, that's where you go up higher.
2: The second category is impulsive murders without psychopathic features. Right. Because it it very clearly then, once you start having a forethought, is how they put it, that ups your your scale. Yes. And I don't know if we can say this was like i'm going to meticulously plan this out i'm going to take him out no. and kill him no
1: not no at all. but
0: th- he had um those times when he said he wanted to kill me or he knew i wanted to kill him
1: that's true i in the in the mere moments before it happened he obviously was thinking about it yeah, well, yeah like i think the span over but, from chess game to killing is probably a few hours but who of us haven't sat across the couch from our significant <laughs> other or
0: friend staring them down going i'm
2: so. Rachel, a, you
0: and I have done it plenty of yeah, times. Yeah.
2: A category <laughs> <To> cl- five. <laughs> don't kill me.
1: Okay.
2: Is both. A uh, category five is traumatized, desperate persons who kill relatives or others yet have remorse. So
1: I considered that one. I considered that one. But I don't think he's necessarily traumatized. Like that sounds like someone who's been hurt and is lashing out. He did say his parents argued a lot, but there wasn't any, from all the accounts I read, there wasn't any forms of abuse documented, unless it wasn't released to the press or it wasn't in the articles I read or something like that. And there doesn't seem to be like any kind of, um, from what you've told us, any kind of history of
0: PTSD or anything like that either. right. So, I mean, even the things that like people uh, perceive as a abuse or perceive as a threat or anything like that, he didn't seem to have either.
1: Other than the fact that he does, he did feel the need to mention that his parents argued all the time and he thought his mother suffered from depression.
2: Well, I think one thing we can do, it's not justifiable homicide. No. So that knocks out category one. It's not serial killers, torturers, or sadists. So that knocks out the bottom category. So now it's kind of deciding where in between he falls. And I don't think of him as, like, it is a mental illness. He was fine on his meds. Yes. So.
1: I also consider that. Does he not fall in the scale of evil? He is not an evil person. This is a literal wiring of his brain does not work.
0: Yeah, but you can say, I mean, like, just right homicide
1: is not. True. Evil. True. True. You know?
0: But Also, so, there are
1: people with schizophrenia who don't kill people.
0: Right. And also, if you took the meds away, it, him off his meds, so him as just his natural self, if he has these proclivities to kill people, would that, that not be evil?
1: Mm.
0: No, I, I don't agree with that. If you have a mental illness, you're not evil. Right. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Yeah.
1: But... These are, these are deeper qu- questions than I think we intended to really tackle. Right. <laughs> Especially when we were No, actually, I did intend for us to tackle him. That's the whole reason I chose Saverio Bellante for that. Because I thought he would be an interesting
2: Yeah, it's a uh, tough one. Because it's really like, who are we putting on the scale? Him on his meds or him off his meds?
1: I think we have to do it off his meds. That is the event we have at hand. The killing of Tom O'Gorman.
2: Well. That's, um, why,
1: that's why I went with 13. Tell us what 13 is one more time.
2: 13 is... Inadequate, rageful psychopaths. Some committing multiple murders. I don't feel this is a rageful psychopath.
1: I do. I think he was. I think and I think innately he was really mad about O'Gorman calling him stupid and perverse for that chess move and for not wanting and for O'Gorman not taking part in his. Quenching of the fire ceremony, and it just built and built, and he got so mad, he figured O'Gorman was the devil.
0: See, I can see that being that if he truly believed he was Jesus Christ, who was a symbol of purity and grace and everything like that, being called perverse, Mm -hmm. and being called, what else did he call him? Stupid. And stupid and stuff like that. I mean, I would see how that would... Right. I mean, it would fundamentally challenge his view of himself. Right.
2: He could also potentially fall at a category seven... Highly narcissistic person, some with a psychotic core, who murder loved ones.
1: I, hmm, I looked at that one, the narcissism threw me off. It doesn't, right. he, I mean, he has a job, he, he works, like. True, viewing yourself as do Jesus
2: Christ, on the other hand, <laughs> yes, but I don't think It's he, not real narcissism, like right. I know, it's a different thing, but it's. it's right,
1: because he didn't see himself as Jesus because he thought he was better than everybody else, he right. saw him himself as Jesus because he thought he was some kind of, like, truth warrior. But that one is a possibility, I would consider that.
2: If you were to read, like, a broader description than these one-sentence descriptions right. of seven, I think this is closest to what we would get. That's going to be my vote. I'm voting seven. And
1: you're you're taking out 13 just because 13 mentions multiple murders?
2: That, and it's pretty far into the aforethought. He pre-planned. He ate a
1: guy's lung. Yeah,
2: but it's not like he woke up and he's like, for the next week, these are the steps I need to take to make sure I can eat his heart. Heart.
1: Right but I agree but the level of the level of what's the word I'm looking for of ascension in the scale is also based on sadism and eating a guy's organ is pretty hard. But he didn't it. do it
2: because he wanted to hurt the guy. There, it was not torturous. Okay.
1: Alright so we're going to say seven. Well I'm going the to say seven. Of, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well if Clinton says seven I guess we're doing seven. No. I would go with seven if that's what we decide on.
2: Do we consider this person more or less evil than James Rupert?
0: That was the guy last week, right? Yes. I'm going to say Jim that it's Rupert a seven. Was a family killer. Yeah. I'm going to say it's a seven because, and this is what tipped me over, they kill loved ones. Mm-hmm. And as from the way that he would have talked of Tom in their relationship, obviously he did have a very deep friendship with him right so that may even be one of the things is that he felt betrayed being called these horrible things by someone he was it probably maybe the only person he was very close to at the time mm-hmm. that's true like that was
1: the that was his closest friend i cannot
2: consider this guy more evil than the family killer
1: all right uh, fair enough I, I have been swayed severio belante will put him as a seven clinton put it on the board
2: all right on the board Seven.
0: I think that was one of our
1: best debates. Honestly, that's why I picked him because it was so hard to figure out where to to put him on there.
0: Okay, so we're going to start story B. Story B is our unsolved murder, and so we won't have a killer to put on a scale with this one, but it's a hoot anyway. All right, let's start.
1: (laughs)
2: Story B. I'm sure
1: that's what their family thought as well.
0: A
2: hoot.
1: Well, you don't know. Most true. Um, Maybe there's a clown involved. (gasps) Who knows?
0: So this is the death of Jennifer Fairgate, if, in fact, that is her real name. Mm. Spoiler, it's not. (laughs) Okay. the place, Oslo, Norway. The time, Wednesday, May 31st, 1995, 1044 PM. Very exact. Yes. It's, It's at a hotel. I love doing stories at a hotel because they know all the times and dates. What a weird reason for like doing that story. I, I like numbers. All right, here we go. An elegantly dressed woman checks into room 2805 at a luxury hotel.
2: I am on board for this story already.
0: <laughs> she goes to her room on the 28th floor and immediately hangs a do not disturb sign on her door. She is there for three days. And on June 2nd, she calls down to the front desk to extend her stay until the following Sunday and orders room service which is delivered at 8.23 p.m. This is the last time she is officially seen alive. So they deliver the food into her room. Mm -hmm. Okay. At this point, the staff realizes that she never provided an ID or a credit card during check-in. In
1: In the 90s? I feel like that's pretty ridiculous. At a
0: luxury hotel. Yeah,
1: that seems... So what, she just walked in and just signed her name and went upstairs? So, I mean, mean,
0: she hasn't paid for anything. (laughs) In That's fact, nice. in fact, her whole stay, she did not pay for anything except she gave the bellhop. No, not the bellhop, but the um, the room service uh, guy who delivered the food a fifty kroner, which is about eight dollar tip. So it was like an extraordinary tip. Okay. Then a security guard is dispatched to her room. He knocks and announces himself, and a second later he hears a gunshot <gasps> from within. Afraid that whoever is in the room is firing at him, the security guard takes cover, waits a few minutes.
1: Narcissist.
0: <laughs> Why it's all going about you? Why it got to be about you, security guard? And ultimately, he decides that this is a little bit beyond his pay grade and takes the elevator back down to the ground floor to alert the main security hub. Mm-hmm. Smart man. Yeah. 15 minutes later, the security chief comes up to room... Twenty-eight oh five. The door is double-locked from inside, and all key cards were still inside the room. So he has to use his special security card, which is the only thing that can open a double-locked room. Skeleton key. And he enters, and there he finds a woman on her bed with a single gunshot to the head. Like, to her
1: forehead. Oh. That's a hard shot to do, right? To yourself? Yeah. It is. It's one of the weird ones. like... The way you hold the trigger Mm -hmm. and everything like that, like it's it's, people actually, that's a a weird... They usually do it to the side. Right? No. Along
0: with the truly terrible scene, the chief reports smelling something acrid in the air. So he closes the door, locks it, and notifies the police. When the police arrive, they find a very nondescript crime scene. There's a half-eaten dinner, no sign of a struggle, and she's actually holding the gun in her hand. They checked the electronic hotel key card activity logs and found very few comings and goings, as well as no activity close to the time of her death. So initially, the theory was that she came to Oslo, stayed in a very nice hotel, spent a couple of days in her room coming to terms with or psyching herself up for her inevitable suicide. Wow. Case closed. Case closed. I mean, literally it was like that. Yeah. However, the thought that she was simply held up in her room the whole time was challenged by statements made by hotel cleaning staff and card key information, which suggested that she was gone from her room for long periods of time. They then started paying attention to what was not found in the room. Firstly, there were no means to identify the woman, no IDs. No passport, no credit cards, no keys, no hairbrush or toothbrush. In fact, no toiletries of any kind. But it was apparent that she had taken a shower or someone had taken a shower just a few hours before. All of the labels in her clothes had been removed and she had no pants. Oh. Like, she had packed shirts, coats, sweaters, all kinds of things for the top of her body, but nothing for the bottom of her body. Well, that's that
1: just, just how I packed. Yeah, that, that could have just been a mistake. <laughs> just
0: Who hasn't it's, forgotten? It's 5 p.m. There. everywhere.
1: <laughs> I'm on vacation, it!
0: I believe the way that she's depicted most of the time is that she's wearing a black like a short black skirt when she arrives at the hotel, but that's the only thing that she had. Bottom and I think that her body was found wearing that skirt, but that's it. Mm. Mm. So this brought up another question.
1: Where are her pants? That's
0: not the question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a good question, but not the question I'm about to ask. How did she even get the hotel room in the first place? She never showed ID, never put down a credit card, And this was the Oslo Plaza Hotel, which is a five star hotel.
1: That's what I'm saying. You don't just walk into hotels and get rooms. Yes, it would have been a breach
0: of all their security rules to just give her a room. But that is what seems to have happened. However, no one was able to explain why or how. Like they never pinpointed the person who gave her the room. So, like, none of the staff came forward and said, I checked her in
1: or anything like that? No,
0: they never named anybody or they never said, well, this person did it and they were wrong, so they got fired for it or anything like that. Hmm. The only thing they had was a registration card that she had filled out at the front desk. It listed her name as Jennifer Fairgate. Now, most places spell her name F-A-I-R-G-A-T-E, but she wrote it down as F-E-R-G-A-T-E. So, Fergate. 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 I'm not sure if that means anything but that is what happened clues <laughs> her birth date as august 28 1973 it also had a phone number and a home address from belgium of course when authorities contacted belgium police in an effort to find and notify her family they discovered that none of that information was true
1: mm. Did it go to other people, or did it go to, like, empty lots,
0: or... They just couldn't find a person. Jennifer yeah, they just couldn't find a person by that name that lived there, or okay. anything like that. According to phone records, she made two outgoing phone calls. Both numbers were for areas close to Verlaine, Belgium, which she had stated was her home address, but neither number was valid. Oh, well, that's weird. Yes. So that makes me think of burn notice do you remember that show yeah okay so in the first episode of burn notice he picks up the phone, he calls his people to make a deal and they're like you've been burned and you're done and then they hang up on him yeah and so that almost seems like she called somebody that she was supposed to talk to but they're no longer there oh god okay well i'll call the next person they're no longer there you know i've been burned i should kill myself i don't know hmm. it, it just made me think of that yeah. Their last chance to identify her was through her fingerprints, which are the only fingerprints they found in the room, by the way. Which, in a hotel room, you don't find one person's fingerprints. Nobody
2: cleans that thoroughly.
0: Now it may have been that it, cleaning staff did it. <laughs> it may have been that her fingerprints are the only fingerprints they found that were unidentified. Maybe okay, because I can even imagine she had the plate for room service.
1: Yeah, the guy carrying it in would have. Yeah, had or on somebody it or preparing the, the dinner or, yeah. or
0: something like that would have a, a fingerprint
1: on it. I would think anyway. Yeah. But either way, that was the only but, unidentified.
0: Right, one. but I mean, if what was stated or what I read was absolute fact, and her fingerprints are the only thing in there. Right. That's suspicious on its
1: own. Yeah. Where are the other guests' fingerprints? Yeah. Yeah. Or the staff. Yeah.
0: Okay. And though her prints were run through Interpol, there was no match. Now the hotel reported that a few days prior to her check-in, she called and confirmed her reservation. Though when she initially booked the hotel, she spoke English during this phone call She spoke German with an East German accent. In this call, she stated that she would be accompanied by a Lewis Fairgate. When interviewed, the front desk staff had contradictory statements, some saying that she was completely alone and some saying that they remembered a man standing with her. But unfortunately, that is all anyone ever says about Lewis.
1: When she checked in, that she, she yeah. might have had to, Okay, that right there should tell you that someone checked her in. Someone gave her a key without any form of ID or something like that. So I feel like the staff has not come forward because they don't want to get caught.
2: Well, and even though, like, the calling to confirm a... Res- How do you start a reservation right. over the phone without, without, a, credit without a credit card like- Right,
0: yeah. And for some reason, though the hotel had a camera system at the time, security cameras, there is no evidence that the police ever watched it. So without that corroborating
1: evidence, it's quite possible that Louis fairgate never existed. Why didn't they watch it? Because it was a suicide. Okay, how did this get on your radar? Like, when do they start thinking it's something else? Well, why don't you wait? Okay, okay. all right.
0: <laughs> Stop dropping the gun. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: Now, crime scene investigators...
1: Wait, See, wait hold side. on. Hold on. Oh, yeah,
0: okay. Crime scene investigators <laughs> also became suspicious of the gun in her hand. And you can, you can find pictures. You can find crime scene pictures and some drawings of her one of the comp- composite sketches sure that words you know <laughs> sure they're not coming today <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of material that you can find on this and one of the pictures shows her where she's she's obviously laying on her back and her hands on her chest holding the gun so just keep that in mind when i read this next part okay it was a 9 millimeter handgun, which is a pretty powerful weapon with quite a bit of a kickback when it's fired. Which I fired a 9 millimeter and I didn't like it because of that kickback. Mm-hmm. It scared me. And as I said before, it was found in her hand, but she had a backward grip on it with her thumb on the trigger. Investigators state that this grip is not sturdy. She wouldn't right. have a strong grip on it. It would not still it. be in her hand. Right, and so the, the kickback usually throws the gun out of her hand right also her hands lacked any gunshot residue or blood splatter from her head from her head so the blast though was powerful enough to create blood spray on the ceiling but not on her hands right and very little on her clothes where the gun came to rest which is virtually unheard of in suicide The serial number had been removed in, quote, a professional way, because apparently you have to file down to a certain depth to actually get rid of the number. And it was I guess most amateurs don't know the depth that they need to file it down. And a briefcase was found at the scene. It's only contents were 25 bullets for the nine millimeter. Another seven were found in the handgun itself.
1: Did they find any shell casings from the from the gun? Yeah, there's like there was one. So, so it had been fired. That was the gun that, that killed her. That was the
0: gun. No question. That is the gun that killed her. Okay. I did read another thing that said there was a second shot that had been done through a pillow, through the mattress, and into the into the floor. Mm. However, I only read that one place, so I don't know to give that any credence. And that was that would seemed like something that the hotel would. Get attention to like somebody would be like, "Hey, there's loud bangs coming right. from next door," but they didn't. So unless that pillow was an amazing pillow, I mean, in the movies
1: <laughs> they use pillows as silencers and they stuff do. like that. But how how silent can that make it? And through a mattress, I mean, it, it may not have been that loud. Maybe
2: plus five star.
1: Oh, that's some. A- cush pillow.
2: <laughs> I'm a bit more like she's there, there's not an immediate room
0: next to right, like right, it's right. a the, large space. The
1: walls space. are a little more yes. thicker and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: And I guess truthfully if
1: you're staying at a five star you're like I'm not I'm not dealing with I'm that. not dealing with anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm on vacation god damn it. I have no pants. I'm having a good time. No pants. Lots of money. Plenty of bullets. Okay. Due to the strangeness of the case it was briefly investigated
0: as a homicide. However unfortunately that was after they allowed the hotel to throw out everything <gasps> of from the room. Like, there were other anomalies, like, every room had a comforter on the bed. When they found her, there were two comforters on the bed.
1: Okay. And this, she had never made a request for a second one or anything. Right. Like
0: that. And the, so the second one was unaccounted for. But they didn't ever process that second comforter for like hairs or anything like that. They just let the hotel throw it out with the rest of the bloody linens.
2: I wonder like how many other deaths were in this hotel? Because it really sets it up to be like this is a place you put people to disappear them and the hotel <laughs> no. is part of it.
1: <laughs> no. They got no. trap doors. And- <laughs> no, I, think it's more, I think it's more that people always assume the best. And if they think it was something that wasn't foul play and they think it was something like they're like let's just move on. We got to get this room back up and running for people to, to stay in it.
2: You wouldn't book her into this hotel without someone at the hotel being in on it.
1: That's that is an odd question. I'll say that, but as far as the extra comforter and everything that goes,
0: I have to think that every really pro- posh hotel has a plan for when they find a dead body. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I imagine every I'm, hotel, but, has but a I mean, like that. they have like a hush hush plan. Sure, you know, get rid of everything
1: as soon as possible. Right.
0: right. I mean actually another thing that I read but only from one source was that a man checking out from like a room that was like across the hall from hers had the desk clerk at the time tell him that a uh, the body of a dead woman was found in that room across the hall from you but she told him that 2 hours before the police were notified which does not fit into the timeline Whoa. right but that again hearsay rumor one. Yeah. I only found that one place. So who knows if that was true? Wow. It
2: is a fun. Well, not fun, but uh, an interesting thing to conjecture. Then is either the hotel is in on it or the hotel is just covering its ass.
1: Like I, I'm going to vote the hotel just covering their ass. I think they're just someone was negligent with the check right. in. Maybe she's real pretty. You know, I don't know anything about this. Over question. the phone. Yeah. So just a check. <laughs> chicks get away with all kinds of stuff. And she and she got a room, and because someone was being lazy and they didn't want to take her card down or whatever. And then the the cleaning up of the room, I think, was under a rush because they were like, "We just we got to recovering our ass." She did check in later at night,
0: but I mean, again, if you're in the plaza, you got to be used to people checking in at all times. I would say sure.
2: right. But you mentioned that so first she called in an English accent to book the room, well, then no, in a no, German accent to confirm. No, no, no. no, no. So she was
0: <laughs> speaking English, right? But the second time she was speaking German with a German accent, an East German accent.
2: Right, but so a, a booking f- over the phone and then a confirmation over the phone and then the late check-in. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just seems, oh, we noticed you don't have a, a card on file. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I don't feel like doing anything tonight because <laughs> i to you around. Yeah.
0: That would be me. No. <laughs> um, okay, so they briefly investigated <gasps> it as a homicide. But when no new information was discovered, the police returned to the original ruling of a suicide. Hoping that, uh, that maybe someone from a missing persons case would be able to identify her, the police kept her body for a year. But unfortunately, no one came forward, and on June 26, that's 1996... Sad. That's true. Uh, they buried Jennifer Fairgate and closed the case. She didn't even have a headstone for her grave. Hmm. Years later, fast forward. (laughs) Okay. We're in the 2000s now.
1: Ooh. 2010s, I guess. Oh, fairly in the future then.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Years later, a journalist, Lars Wegner, took up her story and traveled to Verlaine,
1: Belgium. Now that's got to be interesting. Like, why did he take up her story? How did he find this random suicide case in... He was looking up missing persons and unknown deaths.
0: Okay. So he was investigating that to begin with all right and so her story kind of came across her, his desk and with him it became like he was expecting okay a missing person that we just haven't been able to
1: pin down we haven't found but it became something more of a mystery I also wonder if her lane is not maybe a very big town maybe they don't have a ton of cases like this and that's why hers is kind of flagged because she's she's supposedly originally from there right but he's not Oh, I thought he was. He was. You just said that. No, he went there. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. After he got this case, he went to
0: Verlaine, which she put. She had put down for her home address. He circulated her picture through the town, but no one recognized her. And though she claimed to live on Rue de la Station, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. <laughs> so she, she said she lived on that street at number one forty-eight. In reality, the street number stopped at 100. Oh, so obviously she knew at least a little bit about the town because she knew that there was a street by that name and the phone number she gave as Her phone number was consistent to the area, but still no identity could be made in the 1990s. DNA was not a common tool used in Scandinavian countries. When Lars Wegner essentially reopened the case, the method was widespread. However, since the case was deemed a suicide, all evidence had been destroyed 20 years prior. So after that initial year, they waited for someone to identify her. They destroyed every piece of evidence in the case. The only thing that could be done was to exhume her body, which happened in November
1: 16th, 2016. This is interesting. Like, is he a cop? He's a journalist. He's a journalist, but he... But the fact that he has the resources to do this kind of stuff, like nobody's considering it foul play. You know what I mean? Nobody's considering it. It was suicide. And he's going through all these hoops to try to find out who this woman is. And he's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's pretty interesting to see him.
0: From what I have gleaned from the interviews, it's not so much the police is like, no, this isn't like oh this is you know cut and dry it's a suicide da-da. i think it was like they still have a suspicion but they couldn't move they couldn't prove anything other than suicide right so that's what they had to say it was and they moved on and then when he reopened and he found all these other like little kinds of things of, of the house and everything yeah like little that. weird weird aspects or whatever that there were certain individuals and members of the police force that agreed with him and then Helped him. Sure. Okay. So um, do 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 do. They pulled her body out of the ground. Okay. They were able to construct a full DNA profile, which confirmed that she was Western European descent. However, beyond that, there have yet to be any matching DNA profiles in any database, so she remains unidentified. Hmm. So here are the theories: she was a high class sex worker. This would explain why she didn't put down a credit card. Someone else did. Someone else did. And she made the reservation. Yes. Yeah. And then something happened. Maybe the to credit the card trail or something like that. bounced, maybe, you know, or declined or whatever. She was a member of a failed drug ring. Though I don't put much credence into this because... There's, there no and, I mean, yeah, there's, no, uh, there's nothing to point to that.
1: No, there's no drugs. Yeah. She's not selling. She doesn't have any in her system. Not that I know of.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they did do a toxicology, but I think, but they only looked for her alcohol level. Mm. So they don't know, you don't really know if there were any drugs in her system because they simply didn't look. Right. Another theory was that she's the missing wife of an Italian mobster, Leo Lucha Bagarella. Right. right. Who knows about that?
1: However, it seems
0: like the most prevalent theory
1: is no, that- No, wait, wait. wait. You're just going to end it with Bagarella? Like, why do they think she's missing? Where did she come from? I don't know. I didn't.
0: <laughs> they're like a missing wife. I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously that wife either
1: was snuffed out or mm-hmm. she ran away. Well, I'd like to see a comparison of photos of, of Jennifer Farragate and Leah Lucha.
0: They don't really have a lot.
1: That would be interesting. I mean,
0: that's the thing is just like, they only have her, the picture of her in death. Right. And then they have a drawing, a composite drawing of her as like a live person. Right. So it's, it is it is kind of hard to compare. But I, I I saw that, oh, she's the missing wife of a mobster. I'm like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. You would think that she would have a better cover story. She didn't need one. She was just sitting there and doing nothing. Oh, yeah. The most prevalent theory is that she's a spy. Yeah. And that it was, it's, this was an assassin or not uh, a, a, an execution. Execution. This was an execution, which would make sense. The journalist had brought in CSI experts and they re did the crime scene at the hotel and everything like that. And one of them did say, okay, if she's laying here and her assailant is on top of her, pinning her arms down with his knees, shoot her in the forehead. And then he can get off of her, place the gun, but his sheer presence on her would shield her from all the blood. Yeah. And then he would have to clean up. Yeah. And for me, I can't get over the fact that that room seems like somebody cleaned it. They took all of her toiletries. Yeah. They took- All of her pants. Everything in her bag, like her briefcase, right? So you kill this woman- Then you take all of her toiletries, anything that could have her DNA on it. And then it's like you take whatever she had in that briefcase that may have been of value. And then you walk out.
1: Yeah. There's just no suspicious... Like, I can't believe they didn't get the camera. I can't believe they didn't get the camera. It just
0: seems like somebody... some in situation an it's inside like, job well not even that it's like somebody saw this they're like oh it's a suicide they signed some papers and everybody kind of just went along with it and so those papers that they signed was like okay you could throw this, this stuff out we don't need to see the videos or anything like that she killed herself
1: but also the idea that say the hitman paid off a bellhop to let him in to be able to get access her food you know things like that like there might have been something there maybe but it was the then, guy
2: that brought her the dinner
1: Right. But then the more people you involve, the less a secret's going to be held. Someone's going to crack. Right. So, I don't know. That's a weird one. But yes, I also lean towards spy.
0: There's been cases in history that mimic this. The Summerton sure. man and the
1: Isdal woman.
2: Well, I'm fascinated.
1: Oh, man. Poor Jennifer Farragate, or whoever you were. She was a spy. She was a spy. She and
0: Bella in the witch home. Um, yeah. Yes. Are hanging out in heaven going, we were spies. spies.
1: Spy BFFs. All right. Well, that was another episode of Murder Brunch. It was an exciting one. I'm, I'm sobering up, we, I think, now. We started with cannibalism <laughs> and we ended with spy work. Mm-hmm. It's like every Murder Brunch yes. should end. If you are interested in following us on all of our socials, where we give lots of cool things and ideas and let you know when next episodes are happening, you can find us at our Facebook,
2: Murder Brunch Podcast,
1: our Twitter,
2: at Murder Brunch,
1: our Instagram,
2: Murder Brunch,
1: and you can email us at
2: MurderBrunchBunch at gmail.com, or and, find us at our website, MurderBrunchPodcast.com.
1: And we do have a Patreon, where you can get, uh, just for $5, it's just one tier but for $5 a month, you get an extra episode a month, our unaired pilot that nobody's ever heard before. I've and heard it. <laughs> I made that joke last time. Okay. <laughs> and we're also posting recipes for the delightful cocktails we have at Murder Brunch. This is a good one. Yeah, this the is a good one. This devil's
2: margarita is... Uh, Delish. Spot on.
1: So if you would like to contribute to our Murder Talk ways... <laughs> our weekly feasts. <laughs> our weekly feasts. It is $5 a month and you would become an honorary bruncher. Let's cite our sources real quick oh, before yeah. we wrap this up. So, for my storia storia, my story <laughs> on Saverio Belante, I spent a lot of time on the Irish Times. The Irish Times had three or four articles about this case. A lot of good stuff there and the independent.ie. And my
0: sources for Jennifer Fairgate were Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, episode 2 on season 2. Reddit. Special thanks to Fort Bragg Rat Patrol and Noegosaurus, <laughs> and a couple articles from Verden's Gang and Dag, Dagbladet, which are
1: Norwegian newspapers. So, join us next time for more mayhem, more murder,
0: more snacks.
1: Bye, bye, bye Clinton. Bye. bye. <laughs>